You're listening to Straight Note Chaser on Dogs by Nature Radio. All right, excited for the challenge. Division opponent on the road. Uh, really good football team. Uh, I got a ton of respect for Coach Taylor and what they're doing. Uh, they got great players. Uh, they're playing really good ball, so we, uh, we got to be ready for a 60-minute affair. Um, I know you guys got the statement on Odell. Yeah, you know, I would just tell you we're moving on. Uh, it's unfortunate how, again, how it uh, happened. Um, I don't think, uh, I think it's unfortunate for both sides, uh, but we have to move on and, and put our focus on this game versus Cincinnati. Here's your host, my dad, Delonious7. My dogs by nature family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Thelonious7, and you're listening to The Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature Radio. This Sunday afternoon, your Cleveland Browns make their way to the southeast quadrant of our great state to visit the Bengals in the jungle. Well, to help us turn the page in our tumultuous week, we reach out to the host of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Hey, this is Frank LaPlaca. I'm the host of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. You can find me at Cincy Bengals Pod on Instagram or Twitter. Frank, thank you for taking the time to join us here on Dogs Miniature Radio. Your presence is definitely a welcome distraction from the media circus. So without any further ado, let's get into it. So, Mr. LaPlaca, we go into week nine with the Bengals ahead of the Browns in the AFC North standings. How much of a surprise has this been for you? What factors do you attribute to the fast first half of this season? So yeah, the Bengals are in front of the Browns in the standings this year. The things that I would attribute it to are a couple things. One, we've stayed healthy. The Browns have had a lot of injuries this year. The Bengals have been able to stay healthy all year. Two is Joe Burrow. I mean, he's having a monster year. You thought he was going to come back slow from the ACL injury, and that has not held him up one bit. He's just progressing and was even better than he was last year. So that's been a big help to us. And finally, all these free agent additions on defense are really helping. I know we had a bad game against the Jets, but for the rest of the games, the defense has really been holding its own. So I think those are the main factors why we're ahead of the Browns at this point in the season right now. Your start has certainly put the AFC North on notice. Yeah, I thought the Bengals fans would be eating their collective hats, worrying about protecting their second-year signal caller. But Jamar Chase has the league eating their words. What does he mean to this unit and to the offense thus far? Has that selection changed the way you think about team building? Okay, so drafting Panay Sewell versus drafting Jamar Chase, I have to admit, and I, I don't even really want to go on record saying this, I was kind of rooting for them to draft Sewell. There wasn't anything against Jamar Chase. I was just so shell-shocked and so angry about Joe Burrow getting hurt that I wanted to get the best offensive lineman possible. Now, I'm not a big college football guy, so I'm not the best guy to ask who had a better college career. But now that I see both of them in the NFL, with Jamar Chase winning the player of the week like four times, nominated like five times, six times, I don't know, whatever. It seems like every week he's a difference maker. Every week he's making a play that factors in towards a win. I'm sure you guys saw the highlights of his block against the Lions where he's hustling all the way downfield and he gets a block on a defensive back and springs mixing into the end zone. And it was that kind of hustle play that got the team pumped up. They took that momentum into Baltimore like, you know, we're invincible and, and it really gave the team momentum. And then you put that together with the catches that he's making, the, the long touchdown grabs and the long passes that ha- seem to happen at the end of every half. 
I'll tell you guys, he's one of those players that when he has the ball in his hands, it is really, really exciting. He's so much fun to watch, and he has a huge chemistry with Joe Burrow. So it is such a good decision by the front office that they took Jamar Chase. I'm glad I was wrong. And, you know, just because I was rooting for them to take Sewell in the early stages doesn't mean I can't flip and be a total Jamar Chase enthusiast because he is one of my favorite players on the team. He works hard. You should hear him talk. You should hear him talk about how he studies and there, there was one article where he, he breaks his, breaks down how he runs through a route and it was just really interesting stuff. He's a very heady player and he's He's, when you hear him, he's, he, he's thinking and talking like a five-year vet in the league already, and he's only played a handful of games. So very excited to have him aboard, and he's another reason why we're winning games and why, why we're at where we're at in the standings. Frank, I appreciate the candor and, of course, the finer details in that answer. I think you'll have an easy time with the softball. Joe Burrow is not in a sophomore slump. Do you regard him as the best in the division? How do you see his ceiling? How far away is he from reaching his full potential? Okay, Joe Burrow is my guy, and I do regard him as the best in the division. How do I see his ceiling? Joe Burrow's ceiling is the Hall of Fame. Call me biased, I don't know. I've been watching quarterbacks for a long time, and the Bengals have had some good ones down the years. Greg Cook, if you go back to the very beginning, not a lot of listeners are going to know him, but he was going to be a superstar. He was going to be the Joe Montana. He had a shoulder injury. And that was before surgeries were as advanced as they are now, and he never recovered from it. So you have that Greg Cook, who could have been a great one. But Ken Anderson, that's an accurate passer that had mobility and was a winner. Boomer Esiason, not just a great TV personality and a radio personality, he could really throw that ball around. Carson Palmer, not necessarily a big winner in the pros, but you know they said when he threw the ball it looked like he was on a ladder that's how high of a release point he had because he was so big and he could make every throw in the park and then Andy Dalton you know a scrappy quarterback who was probably the most winning quarterback of them all if you really think about it leading us to five straight playoffs Joe Burrow is the best one I've seen out of all of those guys and I've seen all of those guys play and he's already there. And if you compare him to other, I mean, they're starting to compare him to Aaron Rodgers. They're comparing him to Joe Montana. And Burrow's like, whoa, you know, let's slow down on this. Let me just be me for a little while. And I like his attitude. He's a winner. He has the ability. It's it, There's so many aspects to why Joe Burrow is good. He's got that stone-cold killer mentality. He All he cares about is football. He, how many commercials have you seen Joe Burrow on? He doesn't care about glamour. He just wants to win and be a great quarterback and be a great leader. Everyone on that team follows him and looks up to him, and he's a 24-year-old second-year player, and he has veterans on that team looking to him for leadership. You have that. You have the aggressiveness. You have that no-nonsense attitude, and he has such poise and charisma. When you hear Joe Burrow talk to the media, he doesn't make a mistake. Everything is profound. And everything is cool, like he's likable. He's going to be a megastar in this league, not just because the way he plays, but the way that he acts. And then you go to the on-field stuff, the way that he reads defenses, the way that he has the courage to stand in there, even after a major injury. He has great mobility now, too. He had great mobility before the injury, and he might have slowed down a little bit, but he's still less than a year removed from the injury. He's got excellent mobility as a quarterback. He's got a great arm. He doesn't have a Herbert arm or, you know, take your pick of anyone with a, sh- a cannon for an arm. But it's a good arm. It's a strong arm. And the main thing is the poise and the accuracy and the reading of defenses. You take all of those things 
and you know, you, I go through games. I, I watch these games a second time, sometimes a third time, to prepare for my podcast. And he barely makes a bad throw. Yeah, you'll see the occasional interception that they're going to blow up Sports Center with. But when you're watching these games, there's very few inaccurate throws, very few mistakes. And I don't know. I think he is the best quarterback in the division. Mayfield's banged up. Mayfield's not necessarily the pure passer. He's a good leader. You know, he's someone that if I was a Browns fan, I could see you rooting for. Ben is done. Ben's elbow is done. His mobility is gone. Ben can't get the ball downfield anymore. If you watch the Steelers, they're going to do all check downs and short passes. You know, maybe they do the occasional floater up top just so you can't, they're, so they're not too predictable. But he's totally done. And Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, did not shake Joe Burrow's hand after the game. He just sulked and went to the locker room. And I liked Lamar Jackson up to that point. I thought that was a classless move. So Lamar Jackson can be a game changer with his legs. But his arm is a little suspect as far as accuracy. And against the Bengals, he missed a lot of throws that could have kept them in the game. So, yes, I'm going on record as saying that Joe Burrow right now is the best quarterback in that division. And moving forward, will continue to be the best quarterback in in that division. And if he continues on this path, stays healthy, and the Bengals continue to win, Joe Burrow is going to go to the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Nice. Palaka with a ringing endorsement for Joe Burrow. That was definitely the most positive uh, endorsement I've ever heard from an interviewee on a player. So let's go to question four. The defense has been surprising, especially with the loss of some staples last year. How have they been able to improve? All right, regarding the defense, Bates and Bell, they're playing very well as a safety tandem. And what we have now is what we didn't have in the past. Now, the Jets game, again, we're coming off that, so it's hard to talk so confidently about our defense because they really did look bad and they missed a lot of tackles. But if you look at what Bates and Bell have done all year, they don't miss tackles. They're in the right spot. Bell is all over the opponent's backfield, Von Bell, obviously. The way that they perform, it cuts down on a lot of yards after catch. It cuts down on running backs gaining extra yards because people are missing tackles. It's like, you know what? Our defensive line is really, really strong. If they get past the defensive line and somehow get by the linebackers, these guys are cleaning up. So they've been a major, major difference. And as far as improvement from last year's squad, one of the biggest improvements is Trey Hendrickson over Carl Lawson. Now, Carl Lawson was a very charismatic guy. He was a try-hard guy. I did like him, but I didn't want to bring him back. You know, he he led. He was at the top of the league last year in quarterback pressures, blah, 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 but he never got home. He had a decent rookie season where, you know, he had a handful of sacks, and his numbers just consistently went down since then. With Hendrickson, you're getting a guy who comes in with that big reputation. What did he have, 12 and a half sacks last year? And he's, he's got like six and a half, seven sacks already now. So having him be in there as a pass rusher is making a big difference. But the And Sam Hubbard's having a good year too. He started off a little bit slow, but he's come alive of recent. And he's more of a run stuffer than a pass rusher, but he's shown flashes of rushing the passer. But the key to this defense are those two defensive tackles and the rotation behind him. DJ Reader, you don't hear his name a lot. He doesn't even have great stats, but all he does is push the pocket back, occupy two men, and let everyone else get plays because he's just consuming the middle. And because he's doing so well, his partner, Larry Ogunjobi, as you Browns fans will know, 
you had him more of a one technique. We have him as a three technique, and he's shining in that role. So those two guys are absolutely lighting it up. And the other guys in the rotation, Josh Tupo has come in and is a strong number three. And then we trade Billy Price to the Giants for B.J. Hill. And I'm like, who's B.J. Hill? And all he has done is come in and be a great rotational tackle who gives you a lot of snaps, has a few sacks, and makes a ton of plays. So the defensive tackles are setting this up. The defensive ends are doing their job and getting pressure. Logan Wilson's having a very good year at linebacker. And then you get to that secondary. Awuzie from Dallas is playing at a Pro Bowl level. And you got your Bates and your Bell. It's really a strong defense. I know a lot of you, prob a lot of you out there probably don't are familiar with some of these guys because they're playing in Cincinnati, but they're playing very well aside from that Jets game. I thought they played well enough to win. Unfortunately, the officials didn't agree with me. Of course, that happens. So before we get to predictions, I wanted to get your take on Coach Zach Taylor. He comes off with this unassuming demeanor, like he's doing it with smoke and mirrors. What What is his leadership style like? How confident are you that he's going to take this group to the top? All right, my take on Coach Taylor. I like him. I like him because, you know, the Bengals had six wins the last two years before this one. Everyone wanted him gone. But he found a way to keep that team playing hard and playing united and playing motivated. That's a lot of it. You know, and he, now he's calling plays, too. So I know I'm going all over the place here, but his first two years calling plays, it felt like, wow, can he handle doing both? And this year, the offensive play calling, in my opinion, is much improved. And maybe that's what happened. He needed a couple years to find his stride as a play caller. So that's totally working. I think he's a great speaker publicly. I think he's someone that the players respect. And I think he does a great job of leading that team because, like I said, they're motivated. And that was when they were losing. You should see them now that they're winning. Guys are putting in extra time. They had 100% attendance at voluntaries in the offseason. It's just a great culture that they're building. When we lost to the Jets, Mixon, Boyd, and Bates got up together and did a, a joint press conference, each almost like apologizing to each other for letting them down, letting each other down. It's just he's doing a great job of building unity, and he's an intelligent coach too. He's not a hothead. All's been going well this year. You know, if I mean, if he would have come out of the gate and been one and six, you know, probably would have been his last year as a Bengals coach. But the fact that they're doing well and he has those guys united, he'll be back next year. Frank, I'm definitely ready to turn the page on the last week, so let's hear your predictions. Do you have some major storylines, keys to victory, game scripts for us? And could we trouble you for our final score? Predictions for the game, that's tough. I mean, I'm always going to pick the Bengals to win. I'm going to say 23-20. I figure somewhat low scoring, you know, two touchdowns for the Bengals, three field goals, two touchdowns for the Browns, two field goals, you know, that'll, that's what I'm hoping turns out. I mean, I, I hope it's a blowout, but I'll settle for a 23-20 a Bengal win. Keys to victory are this. The Browns are going to watch the Jets game and say the Bengals were missing all these tackles on running backs in the flat. So I, I assume that the Browns are going to have Dearness Johnson going out into the flat, catching a bunch of passes. He'll be like filling the Kareem Hunt role, and they're going to test. They're going to see if Logan Wilson misses tackles this game. They're going to see if the secondary breaks down. So I believe that the Browns are going to test the linebacking core and our tackling ability with those running backs. And, I mean, Chubb is one of the top three running backs in the league, so he can present a lot of problems as well too. So I think the Browns are going to keep it on the ground and try to give us that slow death that the Jets did. And we'll see how that works. And, you know, I look at the Browns roster. 
you guys have a lot of good players. There's a lot of good players on offense. The interior of that offensive line is very good. There's a lot of good players on defense. Miles Garrett is an absolute killer. You know, that's the key. If if you guys, if the Browns get Johnson and Chubb going and we have a hard time with them and Miles Garrett goes off, the Bengals are not going to win this game. So we have to really account for Miles Garrett. Now, as far as our strategy, I think there's some vulnerability in the slot. So I think Tyler Boyd could have a decent game. I think maybe we can exploit your safeties. You know, that those are the things that I'd be trying to do. And as always, get the ball to Jamar Chase early and often. You can't say, well, Greedy Williams is covering him or, you know, he's got Newsom on him. We're not going to throw when they have one of their time. No, get the ball to him. You know, if we would have said when we played Humphrey, Marlon Humphrey from the Ravens, we were throwing at him all day. You know, none of these guys are Deion Sanders, whether they're good, high level, mid-level, whatever you want to call them. There's no reason that you can't challenge them with Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, of course. But I'm saying get Jamar Chase involved early and often. Let's get a nice dose of mixing. Let's keep Garrett off of Burrow. And that would probably be the keys to the Bengals winning this game. Our guest for today's show is Frank Lopaka of the unofficial Bengals podcast. He can be found at Cincy Bengals Pod on Twitter. Frank, before you go, do you have any parting thoughts for our audience? Parting thoughts, it's going to be a fun game. These divisional games are usually bloodbaths, and they're usually very fun to watch. So I'm crazy excited for Sunday. You and me both, sir. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for taking your time to join us here on Dogs by Nature Radio. All right, that's all I got for you. So again, this is Frank from the Unofficial Bengals Podcast, at Cincy Bengals Pod on Instagram or Twitter. And truthfully, if you like the Cincinnati Bengals, and if you like podcasts, no one talks Bengals quite like the unofficial Bengals podcast. Well, Frank, you surely made a strong case on this program. Thanks for taking your time to join us. And with that, we'll put this one in the books. That was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to the opposition's position on Dogs by Nature Radio. I'm your host, Thelonious7. Take care and go Browns.